Hello, everyone. Welcome to Art Hour. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day to you, Mike. Yeah, as you as well. Do you Happy have anything? Valentine's Day, Christy, if you're listening. Well, I know my wife isn't listening. She's working, but happy <laughs> Valentine's Got anything big planned for the day? No, this is yoga day for Christy, and it's, you know. Solo it's, yoga? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah a, that's thrill is gone is what you're telling? Yeah, thrill is gone. Okay, <laughs> yeah. same here, same here. But I had to have things ready, you know, when she gets home. And we have our guest, Chris Cook, here. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much, Eric. Of course. Thanks for joining us. What do you have planned for Valentine's Day tonight? Anything Actually, fun? We, we celebrated early. We went out to uh, Wild Sage last weekend, and we saved the day for, uh, for our dog, Ollie, who turns two today. So we got our celebration out of the way so that the spotlight could be on him. Oh, wow. Wow. That's uh, okay. Right on. Right on. Well, uh, let's do uh, Legal ID. You're listening to KYRS, Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. Again, our uh, guest is Chris Cook. He is a musician with the Spokane Symphony. He is a poet. And we're here just to uh, hear some good stories. He's also a raconteur. He has told us stories about some of the interesting jobs he's had uh so anyway we're just uh we're just going to get started so uh chris tell us about um how you started playing the trumpet that's what that's how i knew you as a musician first and i'm just interested how that started right yeah um well my uncle gets credit for that um richard cook who now lives in costa rica uh was my childhood hero um he was a professional trumpet player in boston uh went to the same conservatory that i did and was on that initial wave of um, early performance practice where they were using early instruments to play Baroque and Renaissance music uh, back in Boston um, in the 60s and 70s. And so anytime there was a family wedding, usually Uncle Dick would be playing trumpet at it, and it raised the hairs on the back of my neck. It was really something special. So he became one of my first teachers. And a few years ago, um, I found out in a very uh, emotional realization that he had saved his instruments for me. So I play his trumpets now uh, Uh here in Spokane, and it just makes everything all the more meaningful. Oh, for sure. Okay, so, and then you uh, went to music school, right? Yeah, New England Conservatory of Music um, in Boston, and um, came back home to Spokane and won the second trumpet opening that summer, and so um, I still have my first job. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Well, what year was that? 1981. So you've been playing with the Spokane 70s since 1981. I have. Wow. Actually, I played with them for the first time uh, a couple of years earlier, I want to say it was like the 77, 78 season, they did the Verdi Requiem at the Opera House, what was then the Opera House, and you need offstage brass for that. So they recu- recruited some of us uh, from WSU, because at that point I was taking lessons from my uh, my teacher from Expo Days, who taught at WSU, uh, before transferring to Boston. And your son plays music too, right? Yes. Um, our son Grant is now a senior at Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. Um, he's about to schedule his uh, senior clarinet recital and then go elsewhere. Uh, we're not sure where, but he's going to be majoring in ethnomusicology. Don't ask me too much about that because we're still trying to figure it out ourselves. Uh, but he's a wonderful musician, yeah. And actually all of our kids have, have played instruments, so it's been good. But Kelsey doesn't, does she still play? She does not, nope. She gave up the flute early on, 
Robbie eventually gave up trumpet and Malena the piano. Wow. And is Kelsey still down in L.A. trying to do the comedy thing? Uh, at this moment, um, Kelsey is in Seattle. She's headlining uh, this weekend and last weekend. So I got to see her in Spokane this week. She uh, flew back home for a few days. And then she resumes her, her gigs in Seattle uh, this weekend. Oh, wow. Right on. So artistic family. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Yeah. LC as well, right? Uh, Grant was... Uh, that's right. Grant was uh, one of your co-valedictorians yes. the year he graduated. So, yeah, And I went to LC as well. Um, so, as a matter of fact, our, our old band director, Mr. Delaney, has scheduled a social hour up at Forza Coffee next week. So I'm going to pop in and say hi after oh, wow. quite a few decades here. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. Jeez. That's cool. Uh, now, so you're, you're a working musician. You teach at Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also write poetry. I do. So how did that start? Um, My mother's father, Don Grant, uh, was a lawyer by trade, but um, an astronomer and poet uh, for fun. And he exposed me to his poems and others um, as I was growing up. Didn't think to write much poetry myself um, until probably 20 years ago. But once poetry slams became a thing, I kind of found that I liked... Um, bringing poetry to life rather than just seeing it on a page Um, and that it wasn't that much of a stretch from what I normally do. Most of what I do involves an audience or being on stage Um, and so I I enjoy that and it was my escape from music but there are a lot of parallels. I, I do write quite a bit but not exclusively metric rhyming poetry that's got rhythm to it where I'm paying attention to the rhythm of words um, maybe that's the musician in me I don't know or maybe it's that I like uh, song lyrics where there's some rhyming where there's some rhythm but I do look for the rhythm in words and um, I do like that immediacy of seeing an audience's reaction so, do you remember your first poetry slam here in Spokane? I do. It was at Mootsie's. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was. Uh, it was in uh, late nineteen ninety nine, early two thousand, and Christy White beat me. Um, but I, I had my payback. Like the next slam, uh, I won. But it was kind of a new thing then, and I want to say that it was a side event for Get Lit. Um, but it was. Uh, It was pretty wonderful and laid back and raucous and definitely (laughs) (laughs) alcohol-fueled. Is it still? Um, No. Um, (laughs) Not not at the national level um, because you're you're memorizing, you're performing, and you really don't want to drop a line um, with that kind of pressure. And for National Poetry Slam, you're part of a team, so you don't want to let your teammates down. Mm-hmm. You can celebrate later or commiserate later. <laughs> so what's, what's the, <clears throat> the, unique, the uniqueness of slam poetry versus other types of poetry that makes it exciting for you? It's, it, um, it's fun for the audience because it's judged, and you, um, you might get handed scoring paddles on your way in, never having been to a slam before. And... Um, it's fun. Definitely the audience drinks. Um, locally, we have uh, slams at both Boots. Uh, Boot Slam is the first Sunday of every month. Um, 
and at the Bartlett is Spokane Poetry Slam every fourth Monday, and um, they both serve alcohol, and uh, it's a it's a really wonderful raucous atmosphere. Um, what did uh, Nathan Weinbender, um, who's who's now with the Inlander, did a story on Poetry Slam, and he called it uh, a psychotic literary hootenanny, <laughs> <laughs> and he's right on with that. Perfect. Yeah. Well, you brought a poem, right? You brought us some poems. I brought books. I've got as many poems as you want. Right on. Yeah. Well, well, hit but us with one. You got it. Here's a, here's a weird love poem for Valentine's Day called Douge Mert. I took a walk to ponder things when life was not so good. I found a stump to sit upon where cedars once had stood. My eyes then wandered downward to a heaping mound of poo that this might be symbolic of my life perhaps was true. And then I saw him squirming there atop that bovine pie, a solitary maggot, just a lonely little guy. Just then a lovely female maggot surfaced with a bloop from deep within the layers of that pungent pile of poop. He saw the way she blobbed and stretched her moist, elastic body and longed to meet this fair maggot, this gorgeous little hottie. Then, speaking with the fervent hope that things with her might gel, he said, Mon orfish leib, which means, I love the way you smell. (laughs) She recognized the language, their poetic ancient tongue, which signified his pure intents that morning on the dung. He sang her songs of love, Wutzangen, oh, mir schatzi weening. She didn't need to translate, because his eyes conveyed the meaning. It seemed she'd fallen hard for that sincere, sweet-talking grub. She cooed, mir lebin maskinum, which means, it's you I love. He said, douge mert means home sweet crap, then kissed her long and deep. She smiled and whispered, Ya, douge mert. They sighed and went to sleep. I stayed a while and thought of just how close I'd come to missing all the tender little things that led to maggots kissing. So, love is love, and sometimes life reveals its truths and graces at unexpected times and in the lowliest of places. Yeah. Good Valentine's uh, <laughs> poem there. So you're reading out of, a, out of a book. What is that book, Chris? Yes. Uh, that was from my first collection. It was called The View from the Broken Mic. And my latest is called Damn Good Cookie. And those can both be found at Antis, correct? They can be found at Antis, yes. Right on, right on. Uh, Now, uh, uh, Tales from the Broken Mic. Now, you have an event called Broken Mic now, right? Yes, we've got a, there's a weekly poetry open mic, um, long time. Uh, I think we just celebrated eight years at Nido Burrito. And so that happens Wednesday nights at 6.30. And then I host Antis poetry open mic every first Friday, and that's called Three Minute Mic. Okay, so Antis is, they're both open mic. They are. Right? Uh, what would you say to somebody who'd never done this before and thinks, uh, you know, I'm kind of interested. I don't know how to start. Uh, I'm sure everybody there knows each other. I mean, it's, it's daunting to do it the first time. What would you it say? It certainly is, yeah. Um, it's a very supportive atmosphere, and we love our first-time readers, and I make that clear with my 
my announcements at the beginning um, might be good for someone to sit through a poetry open mic first. Um, I would not do a slam without having done a poetry open mic because with open mics, you're not judged. Um, and so there are no, no numbers involved. Just applause because everybody's been there before. And so, we, yeah, we don't sit silently and nod. Um, it's not uh, like your typical literary event. It, even the open mics are raucous. And uh, we appreciate poetry and the bravery that it takes to, to step up. But uh, we always see this great uh, improvement over the weeks though, for those that keep coming back. It's like anything, mm-hmm. you know, music. Um, practice makes perfect, uh, or at least practice makes more experienced. Right. So, right. so hey. and with the, with the poems, it seems like I've been noticing lately there's just been more poetry out there with yes. Tom Carraway, Todd Marshall, Mark Anderson. What, what's the state of what's going on? I mean, not just with the open mic stuff, but with poetry in general in with town. Poetry in general, it's, it's amazing. We, we have new series that pop up. Um, Spokane Poetry Showcase has just started up at the Universalist, uh, uni- or universal- uh, Unitarian, Unitarian Universalist, Universalist yeah. Church. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and um, what we will see with that, I'm sure, is that it's a totally new audience that supports that event, which is a totally different audience that comes to Three Minute Mike, which is a different audience that comes to the slams. And it's amazing. And then you get, get lit um, every year, which uh, appeals to an entirely different audience. Um, so we have not plumbed the depths completely oh, uh, cool. yet. So it's yeah. kind of, it, yes, it is an amazing town for poetry. And we've hosted the individual world uh, poetry open, uh, individual world poetry slam uh, two times now, which is unheard of in a town uh, this size. So uh, we're doing something right. That's great. Any uh, particular poets i know this is always kind of a difficult question to answer but that really um that you had picked as really inspiring your style of poetry hmm um you know i um i am a, a real oddball at slams i can't say that i've seen all that many old white guys doing rhyming metric <laughs> poetry um so, um, no, um, I'm, I'm glad to have kind of a singular voice. I'm really glad to have, have support and I'm sure anybody else that uh, has been uh, at National Poetry Slam would tell you the same thing. Um, I will say that, um, Taylor Molly, who is a teacher and poet out of Boston who was uh, really dominant in some of the early national events. Um, I heard him at Eastern and competed in uh, one of my first slams that he hosted, and he was um, very inspiring then. But my style of poetry is very different than his. Now, is Taylor Molly the one who uh, did the poem about being at a dinner party and somebody asked him what he made? As yes. a teacher, and then what uh, teach, the, the, what, yeah, what teachers make what or something. Teachers make and is the, the, name the of last it, yeah. line was something like, "I make a difference." How about it, you or something? Exactly. Like that. Yeah, yeah, I've heard That's that. That's him. Mm-hmm. Okay. All yeah. Right. And when you read poetry, powerful. who do you read? Oh boy, um, I've got bookshelves and bookshelves <laughs> worth of stuff. Um, my 
grandfather turned me on to William Stafford early on, um, I was able to read some of Robert Frost's notebooks um, where his collection is housed at Dartmouth. So there are personal collections there, uh, personal connections there. Um, Ruth Ball, uh, Tom I. Davis. Um, boy, um, I need to go home and grab all my books. Early Spokane uh, poet Stoddard King and uh, Vachel Lindsay have been appealing, and, and uh, both of those poets do a lot of, or did a lot of rhyming, a lot of form poetry. Um, W.H. Auden um, found a way to make rhyming work not that long ago. So it uh, seems like you're all in on poetry. Do you uh, write any fiction? Do you write any nonfiction? Do you write music? Or is it pretty much I've just... I've arranged your- music, um, and I've there are some essays in my books here and some free verse. Um, it's not all form poetry. I even get tired of myself if I do it too much. <laughs> and so I've got some free verse. And I, I experimented with different forms where I combined uh, metric rhyming form with free verse. Um, and so that's been kind of fun to try new things. Yeah. Does... Um any correlation between your um, experience, or I guess maybe your passion for music, <clears throat> and how and how you kind of find your own voice and your own maybe style of playing, even though in a symphony a lot of the stuff's already written down, and how that crosses over into what you're doing with your poetry? Yeah, we. Um You wouldn't want to hear me improvise on trumpet. Uh, There's a reason that I stay in a safe place behind the page. Um, But I do try to find my voice every day. I try to ensure that I've got the greatest possible resonance in my sound, that I'm playing as efficiently as possible with the least amount of strain. And probably any musician, whatever instrument or a vocalist like Keller and last week would tell you that you have to take care of yourself and you um, you have to avoid tension. Um, and I, as I as I mentioned, I think um, the crossover between poetry and music for me is is maybe rhythmic, and the fact that maybe pop choruses use rhyme. Not always, but but sometimes, um, and so there there are some poems that I have that are directly influenced uh, by music. I've got um, a poem about Doctor and Mrs. Seuss um, that draws on the fact that the animated specials were so psychedelic and vivid looking in their colors, and so I quoted Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds mm-hmm. in the opening of that poem. Did you bring that one? I did. Yeah. Great. Well, we need to do a little business, but then I'd love to hear it. Yep. So uh, I want to remind you, you're listening to KYRS, Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. Okay, attention! Attention! For the third time, attention. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Attention! Shut up. Attention! Attention, Attention KYRS, KYRS listeners. listeners. Are you a fan of garage rock, punk, vintage R&B, surf music, and power pop? Do you long for some good old-fashioned three-chord rock and roll? 
Well, the Sonic Crash Radio Show is where you'll find it every Tuesday night from 8 to 10. It's here you'll find the best, and sometimes worst, in underground and obscure rock and roll from the 50s to the present. That's Sonic Crash every Tuesday night from 8 to 10 on KYRS 88.1 and 92.3 FM. This is your live and local calendar for Monday, February 11th to Thursday, February 14th. The live and local calendar receives support from Tree Fort Music Fest, located in downtown Boise, Idaho. First round of artists have been announced, including Liz Fair, Vince Staples, and Built to Spill, March 20th through the 24th. Tickets and more information available now at treefortmusicfest.com. Monday, February 11th, at Zola, Perfect Mess. At the Checkerboard, Open Mic Night. Tuesday, February 12th, at the Bing Crosby Theater, Guster and Henry Jameson. At Zola, Desperate Apes. Wednesday, February 13th, at Women's Club of Spokane, Wednesday Night Contra Dance. At Soulful Soups and Spirits, Open Mic. At Zola, Cruxy. Thursday, February 14th, at Bolo's, Jen Harrison Blues Experience. At the Bing Crosby Theater, Blackberry Smoke. At Boots Bakery and Lounge, The Song Project, Open Mic and Songwriting Workshop. At the Observatory, Reverend Yo's Blues Hour. At Berserk, Vinyl Meltdown. Live and Local Calendar receives support from The Big Dipper, an all-ages live music venue located at 171 South Washington Street in downtown Spokane. All right, one more piece of business, and it says at the top of this, please read often in all caps. So I think this one is important. It says the KYRS Spring On-Air Fund Drive is March 3rd through the 10th, and we need you, underlined, to answer the phones. It's fun. Meet KYRS DJs and other volunteers while helping to raise much-needed funding for the station. You can choose to answer phones during your favorite program. If you can help out for a few hours, day or night, please contact Autumn at volunteers at kyrs.org. All right, now we're done with our business. And when we left off, we were ta- you were talking about a Dr. Seuss poem? Yes, yes. Um, you might have heard a few weeks ago that Audrey Geisel passed away. She was the hmm. widow of Theodore Geisel, alias Dr. Seuss. Um, here's a poem that reunites them. <laughs> this is called Dr. Seuss Breaks Free. There were tangerine trees. There were marmalade skies. I saw cellophane green with my colorblind eyes. From a distance, the house looked cartoonish and fun, and its colors were lit by the bright morning sun. As the camera zoomed in through the outermost wall, it progressed to a room at the end of the hall. Dr. Seuss and the missus were lying in bed when a nasty idea popped into his head. He said, baby, you know that it works every time. Dr. Seuss has the power to seduce you with rhyme. I am Theodore Geisel. I'm Seuss. I am Sam. Gonna get up inside of your green eggs and ham. Oh, I feel good like James Brown. I'm a sex machine. Heh! Mrs. Seuss's response was to simply say, meh. She said, darling, for years you're the man I've adored. Please, I don't want to hurt you. But Teddy, I'm bored. I don't know how it happened, dear Theodore G., but your rhymes are no longer seductive to me. Anapestic quadrameter just makes me tired, and I'm worried that maybe your mojo's expired. He said, baby, don't joke about something like that. I can make you meow like the cat in the hat. You're as hot and as juicy as Whoville Roast Beast. Do you want to make love? She said, not in the least. Though it pained him, he knew what he needed to do. He would change how he wrote. 
he would try something new. He locked himself in his study for a very long time. He neither ate nor slept. When he finally emerged, he had a list poem called 137 Reasons Why I Still Love Your Habit of Tucking Your Hair Behind Your Ear. He had memorized it. Number one was because I get to see it every day. The other 136 were just as heartfelt. He'd also written her his first haiku. Beloved Audrey, forget form, rhyme, and meter. You are poetry. He said, I'm sorry if it's not very good, but I hope you like it anyway. She said, don't. Then he said, I might slip and go back to my rhymes. And you can, Audrey said, any number of times, but what matters is that you can choose to be free. You have proven you can, and you did it for me, and I think, Dr. Seuss, that that's sexy as hell. Let's go see if your mojo is healthy as well. They crawled back into bed where their passions were stirred, and it all came to be through the love of the word. <laughs> great. Now, I'm Another sure great. you chose these two poems for, because of the content, right? It's Valentine's Day. Is that why you chose these? I have a list of love poems, yes, yeah. but Good. that one also had some free verse in it, yeah. so I just wanted to to stretch a little or not be confined by form. Now, when I think of uh, slams and, and open mics and all that stuff, usually I think of angst. You know, I think of I think of kind of the darker emotions, but it seems like maybe are your poems more on the lighter side in general? They usually are hopeful. Some are dark, macabre, um, but maybe with a little dollop of humor. Um, so... But yeah, I I do uh, a lot of animal-related love poems, a lot of bad puns. Um, but yeah, you got to be careful if you're an angsty slam poet because what you're being angsty about has got to apply to the room um, if you want to get decent scores. And so I think maybe that's why I appreciate having an audience or being in front of one as often as I, I am is that... I try to be inclusive. I try not to be so self-absorbed that I'm only relating to myself. I mean, why have a microphone if you're doing that? Mm-hmm. So when you set out to write a poem, like such as the one you just read, is it, um, is it kind of like a lot of the painters that we've interviewed where you, you, they, they don't really even have a, the total concept in mind. They kind of start with something, but it ends up, going in a direction completely different from where you started. That can certainly happen because uh, usually I start out with an idea, some kind of premise, and then do an outline, and then maybe some key words here and there that w- that may make the last cut or, or may not. Um, so I hope that I'm open-minded enough with the process to let it go where it needs to go. Um, I set out to to write a, a Mr. Rogers poem, making as much fun of him as I do Dr. Seuss, and it completely went the other way, and it made me realize how much Fred Rogers and Mr. Rogers' neighborhood meant to me, uh. and so it kind of, kind of backfired, 
Now, but have in, in, have in you seen the way. documentary about Mr. Rogers? Yes. Won't you be my neighbor? Yes. Did you, oh. like me, cry like a baby? Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man, in the theater, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I, I started crying during the opening credits <laughs> while he was singing the song. It was just like you say, wow. once you start getting into that stuff, you realize he has been a huge part of of our lives exactly. and our days and yeah yeah, yeah. no that, that's interesting so you tried you tried to make fun of him and it just wouldn't work huh? didn't work huh. yeah. yeah so speaking of process i mean you've got day jobs mm-hmm. and then you do this as yes. as an, as a creative outlet yes do you do you sit down at particular times i'm always interested in people like me and us who have day jobs do you do you wait for inspiration? Do you? How do you do that? I, I do. I am not disciplined with it. Um, but I have always found that, that creativity comes in waves, and I just ride it as long as I possibly can. But truth be told, I've got 50 or 60 unfinished poems right now, just stacks of them, um, and they may never amount to anything. I hope that some of them do. How much of your time is spent going back to those unfinished poems, or do you just kind of say, those haven't worked out, I'm working on something new? Yeah, it goes both ways, because at one point there was only a stack of three of them. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I, I guess I have a sense that some of them that have real possibilities, um, I don't want to ignore them too much and so they they have a way of nagging me and so i'll keep coming back hopefully to the right ones i think that's the same that we've learned from other like novel writers you know they'll have three or four different projects going on and painters too they'll have their studio they'll have four or five paintings and sometimes they just have to move away from one get on another one and and right but on your say the last poem you read or the, the two poems so if you were going if if I was at a slam poetry kind of like a competition, let's just say. What, how would they score? What would they be looking for in that poem that would give you a high score? Well, it's all about um, content, delivery, presentation. Um, that's what they're told at the beginning of the night, but judges can go any direction they want. Um, so it's pretty so subjective then. It's absolutely oh, subject- yeah. subjective, and it's, uh, yeah. And it's not a true uh, way of, of judging poetry, you know. Right. That's an individual thing. So it's mostly a reason to, to get together and have a good time, I think. Um, yeah. I think uh, short forms of, of poetry are, are can be gratifying if you're in that kind of uh, dry spell creativity creativity with your creativity that's just uh, if you're trying to tackle a really long poem maybe uh, a couplet or a quatrain uh will will do it for you you know um malcolm has a puffy face a puffy face has malcolm he also has a sweaty place for which he uses talcum (laughs) (laughs) now that's satisfying and it only takes a few minutes to write (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, you may man. be the first one to 
Rhyme Malcolm and Talcum. I love yeah, that. Man, yeah. That's really good. Uh, so you and I got to work together uh, a few years ago where we did a baby bar show where uh, you played trumpet uh, for the band that I was playing in. And uh, we did Rolling Stones and, and you the played Camaros trumpet. on yeah. New Year's Eve. That was yeah. really fun. It yeah. really was. And we've talked yeah. for years about uh, starting the uh, cake, cake band. cover band. Yeah. Yes, because of course, what other rock band has uh, a, a trumpet player so front and center? Just, just a trumpet player. You don't need a saxophone player <laughs> yes. and all that, yeah. Right. So, uh, what what has been your experience in the local music scene? I mean, I know that's actually how the first time I ever even knew of you is somebody um, said, "Hey, you got to check out this YouTube video." They were interviewing members of the symphony and asking members of the symphony who they liked, uh, what what kind of music they listened to, and you mentioned us, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, a member of the symphony loving us!" So, what's your relationship to to rock music as completely separate from symphonic music? Well, it's what I listen to for fun, among many other things. But you know, sometimes classical music reminds me of studying. <laughs> uh, studying for a performance and I don't just zone out to it. I listen to it really carefully and seriously. Um, but I have a uh, very wide tastes. Um, you know, I uh, grew up, uh, around, a, a, a father with a huge vinyl collection and the best AR turntable and speakers and to put together his own Scott kit amp. Um, and, exposed me to a lot of really good things. He was also a classical clarinetist like our son. So there was a lot of uh, 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 of classical literature being listened to. And that's his brother um, who was the trumpet player that uh, that was my, my inspiration. Um, so he grew up in a very uh, musical family. Um, but as far as um, local bands, I mean, I... I Ah, uh, jeez, I I was in a funk band really early in Pullman called Malaika, where we all, all wore dashikis, um, <laughs> and um, I I've uh, gotten to play with uh, Doug Clark's band Trailer Park Girls, um, just writing my own trumpet parts to that, um, and yeah. I'll, I'll play any style. The beautiful thing about trumpet is that it works in, in so many um, different settings. You know, you can't have a mariachi or a banda or a polka group um, uh, without without a trumpet. Um, you can't have a big band without a trumpet. So most trumpet players grew up playing jazz. Mm. And so when we've got um, like a, a pop show coming up with a symphony, I really look forward to that. Whereas string players, that might not relate so much or their parts not, might not be quite as interesting. Well, that um, was going to be my next question because you're talking about the pop stuff. You played, you, know, you played the music of Queen and you've played all this other stuff. And I, I, I wonder if people in the symphony look at that and they think, why don't people just are – we, are we kind of putting the, the bait out there for them to come to a symphony show with that rock music when it's really the, 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 um, the, the classical music that you love? Or do, do you all, do you find that everybody just loves playing that brand of music? I, I love music. I love all styles of music. And so, um, 
Yeah, we're not just there to rope people into listening to, to classical music, not at all. Although there's more orchestral music surrounding us than, than people realize. I mean, every time you go to an epic motion picture, you're surrounded by the sounds of a symphony orchestra. And um, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's more than just playing Bach and Beethoven and right. Mozart. And you have an so. event like that coming up soon, right, with Raiders of the Lost Ark? We do, yes, in March. Um, let's see, when is that? That's the 16th, Saturday the 16th of March. It's already nearly sold out. So um, call the ticket office if you want, 624-1200 or <laughs> SpokaneSymphony.org uh, if you want to be one of those last people to to uh, see a screening of Raiders of the Lost Ark with a live symphony orchestra playing the soundtrack on stage. And as a trumpet player, I guarantee you I'm going to have a blast. Yeah. So I, um, you've been in the symphony now for over 30 years, right? Yes. Uh, maybe four decades. And have been through a lot of uh, conductors. Mm-hmm. Or not a lot, but I mean have seen the evolution of uh, the Spokane Symphony. And now we're in the process of a new conductor. But um, how... How would you interpret or um, the growth of the Spokane Symphony, say, from the 70s to here we are now, almost into the 2020s in, in, a, in a couple of years, with another new conductor as well? Right. Um, I think we probably had a higher percentage of homegrown talent um, when I started. Um, but definitely the quality of the orchestra um, has grown by by leaps and bounds, um, and the, the the level of musician that we draw um, continues to get higher and higher. Um, it certainly doesn't ha- hurt that uh, you know ten years ago or so when the Fox was restored that that became our new home. Um, much has been made of the fact that the surroundings are part of the ensemble that it's another instrument um and it's very gratifying to play in the fox uh where there's so much feedback and where you can hear everyone on stage and even yourself coming off the back wall um and so that improves the product as well and of course yes you need a good music director, which is why this season is kind of exciting as we go through the candidates. Um, And this weekend, we've got James Lowe with us, um, who was raised in England, um, now conducts an orchestra in Finland, was educated in Scotland, um, has a wicked sense of humor. And so we're putting together uh, a program featuring the music of Brahms and Liszt and Zhu Chen. That happens Saturday night at 8 and Sunday afternoon at 3 at the Fox Theater. Very cool. So Spokane's been able to thrive uh, for a city, small city this size. That's pretty remarkable in the context that other places are really struggling to keep their uh, symphonies alive. And it has not been easy. And if it seemed like um, it's it's been... Uh, 
smashingly successful and easy. It has not, and our administration and board will tell you that it's a, it's a lot of work. Um, we have a support mechanism in the Spokane Symphony Associates um, that is unrivaled. Uh, and we also have a, an orchestra that, for the city's size, is spectacular. So, yes, there's a lot to be proud of, but um, it uh, it has been a lot of work. I think that we're putting out feelers into the right places and making the entire arts scene more inclusive and cross-pollinating um, in a more healthy way um, than ever before. And uh, we're starting to see uh, the results of that and, and situations where we're having to add concerts, um, which is pretty cool. We had to do that a couple of weeks ago with the, the music of Queen, where that first show sold out so fast that we had to add another one. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm going to do a little business here again. We've got a couple of promos to play. Praxis, putting a theory into practical use. Every week, hear stories from our city, region, and world about people putting ideas into motion. Join your host, Taylor, that's me, in interviews with activists, artists, academics, and anyone shaking up systems with radical action. Tune in live Mondays at 4 p.m. right here on KYRS Thin Air Community Radio. KYRS wants your brand new car. Well, not really. Yes, indeed, it's a great feeling to finally get another car after the old one's been breaking down over and over. It's another great feeling to get even more use out of an old car. Here's how. Donate it to KYRS. Car donors get a membership, a tax deduction, and the satisfaction of really helping out. Just call toll-free 855-KYRS-CAR. That's 855-597-7227. Hong Kong! And KYRS has an event coming up, an evening with David Barsamian, Barsamian, sorry, host of Alternative Radio, Tuesday, April 16th at 7 p.m. at the Unitarian Church. It's a $10 general admission, $5 for students with ID. There are a limited number of tickets for the pre-event reception with David, which includes an autographed book and a reserved seat to the event. All proceeds benefit KYRS, sponsored by the Washington chapter of the Progressive Democrats of America and Spokane Veterans for Peace. All right, and we're back with Chris Cook. Uh, Chris, um, did you bring any more love poems for us today in honor of Valentine's Day? You bet. (laughs) Um, What's this one? Here's one uh, called Opposite Attraction. It's so uncanny how it works. You trust in love and fate. And bucking all the odds, sometimes you find the perfect mate. And so it was one day as I was walking past this pond, awash in thoughts of destiny and things that lie beyond. And then I saw him circling around and round and round, a bullfrog missing one back leg. He glanced at me and frowned. I wondered how he got that way. A crocodile, perhaps. Their jaws are well designed for causing gruesome handicaps. Or what about some crazed French chef appearing through the fog with cleaver raised and poised to chop? 
come closer, little frog. I bet the frog can't sleep some nights and whimpers for his mother, afraid the chef will soon return to amputate the other. But then I saw another swimming frog, a mademoiselle. She'd also lost a leg, I swear. She circled round as well. The lack of one propelling leg unfortunately serves to set a frog upon a path of long, unending curves. But each had lost a different leg and faced a tragic plight. See, he could only circle left, and she could circle right. They shared a simple dream where lovers' paths can coincide, of swimming straight and far, exploring waters deep and wide. I cringed. It hurt my gut to watch this pitiful affair. Was this the twist of fate that was intended for this pair? I thought I'd try to help, and so I whispered in his ear. He nodded that he understood. The female circled near. He quickly grabbed around her waist. She did the same to him, and with their two collective legs, set out to try and swim. It worked. Their path was straight. Before returning to the wild, they both looked back and winked at me. I raised my thumb and smiled. Those are great, Chris. Thanks now, as man. you're reading those, though, you'll, you'll look up. How much of that do you have memorized? Because um, you started that poem before you had found the page, and then you would look up. And, and so I, I don't know. Do you have that whole poem memorized? I, I do. Um, yeah, I've got those all memorized, but um, sometimes you want a safety net. <laughs> Right. So if I'm holding it in my hand, you know, it's, it's, it's a good selling point at, at events to hold your book there, especially if they're selling the book. Um, but, um, yeah, I think if I didn't have it in my hand, I'd be okay. But you've got that temptation always to look down, I think, if it's there. So. Oh, that's always that's what I've hated about um, being in dramatic productions. I've acted in a few, and the memorizing part, oh, it just fills me with dread. Yes, and I think it's easier with these form poems because Absolutely. I've got a hint at what's coming up because it's got to <laughs> rhyme with what I just said. Yeah, but free verse, oh, man, that's the worst. So you asked me about bands that I like in, in the, the local rock band scene, and I didn't take the bait. Um, and I should tell you that I love Atari Ferrari. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's, that's and not I what love, I was And asking I love Silver for. Trees, and, <laughs> and I love Whiskey Dick Mountain. And I love Fun Ladies, and I love Super Sparkle, and um, I love Nat Park and the Tunnels of Love, and Pine League, and uh, on and on Don't and forget on. Balonely. Balonely, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it's a great scene here, and um, there's a lot to love about that. I mean, the music scene is, is at least as fertile as the poetry scene, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, that's, uh, we were, you know, um, everybody we've interviewed so far has talked about the, um, how uh, fertile our uh, art scene is getting, you know, in Spokane. Yeah. It's, it's on an upswing for sure, and hopefully we can sustain that. Well, and even yeah. with Pivot, which you were involved yeah. with, and you're, you're going to be doing the May 2nd event, right? Yes. So Pivot, uh, nonfiction storytelling. Uh, I had been doing this with some people at Gonzaga. I had been doing it with my students. And we said, we, we have to do an event, and we didn't know how to do it. So we just said, ready, fire, aim. Let's just plan something and see how it goes. And over 200 people showed up. Wow. And I do think that with 
poetry, with music, with these nonfiction storytelling things. I think there is a just a critical mass of people who are interested yeah. in that stuff. And if you present something that's of, of decent quality, uh, there's an audience just built yeah. in waiting for it. I saw your last pictures from Pivot was standing room only. Yes, Again. it was wonderful. Wow. Yeah. yeah, maybe our best uh, crowd ever. That's yeah. so great. Yeah, and, and so if you just present something, it's, it's yeah, I've been really excited about all that stuff that's yeah. been going on. And the the the, the cross pollination too. I mean, uh, for example, like the uh, symphonies had some events that they've uh, worked with local bands uh, and with Terrain. Yes, um, your uh, you know principal violinist uh, Matthias Walski. Yes, has done some yeah, things the in the Cracker Belt and those. Yeah. Uh, that's really. Um, I think that's the coolest part is. The people in this community are not only supportive, but they're now kind of combining different ideas to see what they come up with. And yes. I think that's really exciting to see that. Yeah, and you mentioned the M show, and Mateusz has yeah. approached me. So um, I, I think I expect to be doing some uh, poetry at one of one of the M shows at uh, at the Cracker Company. So. I'm looking forward to that. I've never gotten to do poetry with the Spokane Symphony. Usually that's been my escape from the Spokane Symphony. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of cool to be recognized for that. I look forward to it. That is that's cool. Great, yeah. So, And in reading about you and in talking to you, uh, it sounds like you have had, I mean, we only have a few minutes left, but sure. I, I want to I hear some of the really interesting jobs that you've had in your career, I mean, this is this is just kind of a this could be a poem in and of itself. The I was interesting the same jobs thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, what sorts of things yeah. have, you, oh, they, have you done they for used money? To dress me up as a jockey, and I'd muck muck out into the middle of the the track at Playfair, and I was the the track trumpeter, so I would play the call to post there um, every season, and then uh, get sandwiches for the stewards and go help develop the uh, photo finish uh, picture. <laughs> with Frank in the, up in the crow's nest. Um, I used to sell uh, vinyl and very early CDs at uh, Mirage Records and Tapes. Um, I used to play in the Shrine Circus Band, uh, and you haven't lived until you're playing a wind instrument and a circle of elephants pass gas <laughs> that are surrounding you. Um, and it's no longer a gas. It hits you like it's a solid... <laughs> Um, yeah, I uh, used to be on the ice uh, for the uh, the ice capades at the old oh, yeah. Coliseum. I swear that, that that plywood that they had us sitting on was only a half inch thick, but it was directly on the ice and you couldn't feel anything up to your knees um, <laughs> from from the cold. Um, but that was that was kind of fun. And especially once they co-opted the Smurfs um, and it was kind of the Smurfs on ice. That it was always uh, there, there's always something, like we say with with trumpet, you can play a lot of different styles and get a get a lot of calls for some pretty interesting gigs. And now you teach at Gonzaga, right? That's I, a side gig. I do. So what classes do you teach there? I teach applied trumpet, and um, every other semester I teach music in the humanities, which is like uh, music appreciation at other other schools. And for that class, it's really fun to be able to use vinyl and recordings from home you can imagine that if i worked at a record and tape store that i've got a pretty big collection at home and so we use um non-standard recordings to teach things like fugues and they do hear uh some of my my favorite people tom waits and and randy newman and frank zappa um and and so forth 
And they even hear the Camaros. Oh. Yeah. You mentioned Tom Waits. Um, this really good songwriters have uh, any influence on some of your poetry? Most definitely. Yeah, I love the lyrics of all of those guys. And um, so, um, yeah, I, I think especially Randy Newman, um, because there's a there's a twistedness and a darkness there, um, although he can just um, wrench your heart if he's doing like to- Toy Story soundtracks. Mm-hmm. You cannot believe that you just burst into tears over a doll that's been cast into a cardboard box for, for pickup. Um, but it happens, and he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, but his solo albums are sometimes quite dark and, and twisted, and I, I like that, that they don't go where you expect them to. Yeah, that's great. Sounds like I hear a little Warren Zevon too, maybe, too. Are you a Warren Zevon fan? Yeah, is it Werewolves of London? Sure, sure. Yeah. Roland um, the Headless Thompson Gunner. Okay. So uh, what do you have coming up? What, what, uh, what should people be looking for with you, poetry-wise, music-wise, everything else-wise? Um, I told you about this weekend's symphony concert. The following weekend, uh, we've got a Baroque series at Westminster Congregational on Saturday the 23rd, and then a matinee Valley Nazarene Church on Sunday the 24th at 3 o'clock. That features the music of Henry Purcell, uh, George Frederick Handel, Johann Sebastian Bach, and includes the Spokane Symphony Chorale. Um, as far as poetry goes, I'll be featured at the Unitarian Universalist Church. I got it right this time. It's the 24th of, um, of February, so that's next Sunday. Um, and that's right next to uh, Mukagawa and SFCC. That's at 7 o'clock, and that's free. Um, and then I'll be featuring at Broken Mike at Nido uh, on Wednesday, March 13th. That's at 630 and I'll bring books. Um, and then a future event in the fall and winter, um, there may be, we think there will be, um, a special uh, exhibit at the MAC in Brown's edition called Pictures of Poets. It's a project of photographer Dean Davis, where he took photographs of us and recorded, uh, in my case, four poems. And you get to go up uh, to a display, put on some headphones, and listen to the poetry while you look at Dean's photography. Oh, wow. wow. That sounds great. Yeah. Huh. When did you say that was? At that the should Mac? be in the fall and the winter, a, a long-term installation. Wow. Yeah, you, cool. you must have a really uh, good uh, calendar program on your phone to uh, keep track of all that stuff. I'm a day at a time because there's no <laughs> pattern to it. Yeah, My wife would tell you I'm just the worst with that. She can't ask me about next week because I don't know. Yeah. Now, this yeah. is a weird question, but just uh, what's the last great thing that you have uh, consumed culturally? Last great movie, book, record? What, what's, what's a recommendation you would make for us before you go? Hmm. Well, I'm I'm switching between between things here. Um, I've gotten to know the detective uh, Philip Marlowe through um, The Big Sleep, and um, so I guess better late than never. Uh, that series was written back in the 1930s, but it's utterly unique and singular, and the descriptions are super poetic. Um, and so like the similes he uses just make me howl with laughter. Um, and so 
anyway, that's that's all I got. Um, Perfect. That's all, all I needed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Unless you had something else in mind. Oh, I, I've forgotten more authors than I than I remember. You know, Patrick Dewitt um, is somebody a Portland poet. Um, I've read all I've read but all one of his now. Books. Which you? one haven't you read? Ablutions. Okay, that is by far his darkest. Okay, and it's it stands out from all the other ones. But yeah, I I plowed through him this year. Okay. He's been going through uh, like wildfire through all the staff at Lewis and Clark yes, High School. He's amazing. Yeah, your former bandmate uh, Mark turned me on yes. to him. I, it started but, with the uh, Sisters Brothers, and then I said I have to yes. read everything. Yeah, and um, I wanted to to read the book before I saw the film. Did you yeah. see the film? Yeah. How was and it? I, yeah, it uh, didn't stand up quite. That's to what the, I heard. To yeah. The, to the book, but uh, under major domo minor, yeah, French exit was mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about a singular voice. Boy, I tell you, wow! Yeah. It was yeah. like he was raised on another planet, <laughs> but manages to speak English. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, thanks for coming, man. It was fun talking to you. Same Chris, to you, it was great. You, and uh, listeners, happy Valentine's Day, Christy, uh, to you. Uh, special Valentine's.